Welcome to Sharing the Middle, where recovering perfectionist overachievers and anyone in the middle of a struggle come together to learn to embrace the messy middles of life. I'm Lacey, your friend in the middle and guide, whose claim to fame this week is actually like getting my house ready to go for sale. And it's been a lot of physical labor, which as you all know, for me is very challenging. So feeling real proud of that. I'm also extremely tired, but that's okay. We are making it. We are showing up and making stuff happen. Today, I'm talking to Seren Silva, who is an intuitive coach. She and I talk a lot about spirituality, but then also we do talk about infidelity and all these different topics that I don't feel like we've really talked about here on The Middle. So I'm really excited to have you all listen and get a little bit of a different perspective and and story than you're used to hearing. I think it's pretty cool. So I do also make a Vanderpump Rules reference. So if that tells you where my mind is at as well. (laughs) Anyway, enjoy our conversation and thank you for your patience in this time where my life is chaos and I'm showing up where I can. Let's jump right in. Welcome, Sarin. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks, Lacey. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I know. I just mentioned to you before we hit record that I have been really thinking a lot about spirituality lately. What a wonderful happenstance to have you today. The world works how it's supposed to. But why don't you go ahead and and introduce yourself to our listeners? Great. Hi, my name is Sarin Silva. I'm a recovering advertising executive turned intuitive coach and medium. So that covers off on the spirituality component. I live in Boulder, Colorado, and I'm a native Californian. I have quite a few business accolades, but these days I really am just focused on connecting with women and helping to empower them to be their greatest selves in their careers. Awesome. This again, this is just me being nosy. I want to know more about being a medium and what that looks like for you before we jump into the rest of it. Because I read that and I was like, ooh, tell me more. Yeah, it's really funny. You don't wake up one morning and you're like, I'm a medium. I was really locked into my career and my identity. I was living in San Francisco, Bay Area. And I got a little voice one day when I was commuting and said, how much longer are you going to do this for? And within four months, I'd moved my whole family to Boulder, Colorado. I started doing, I didn't know I was going to do all this, but it was pulling me. Spirituality was pulling me in a way it never had before. I started doing Reiki energy work. I got really curious about it. I'd met some friends and I was like, oh, this is interesting and started doing some energy work. And when I started doing the energy work, I started getting information about the people that I was working on that started telling me like about who they were and how they were feeling and if they were sick and if they were having heartbreak or if so. And I was like, what is this? And it's got to be in my imagination. And from there, I evolved, got curious, and went into an intuitive training program for a couple of years. Intuition is different than mediumship. Um, Intuition is just that deep knowing about something. And then mediumship is that deep knowing and connection to people that are no longer with us. Mm -hmm. So they had us do reading exercises in class, and they said, there's this little dog. Someone wanted to, they were looking for things to read. So someone said, there's this little dog. I started reading the dog, and I realized the dog had died. And I started just pulling information about the dog and the dog's owner like started tearing up. And then I just started to realize that I could access information outside of the intuitive stuff and start connecting to people at a different plane and a different level. So I worked to develop that 
And um, that is one thing that I do now is I'll do readings for people who you know, have family members that have departed or lovers or siblings or, you know, I have one woman I read every year on her daughter's birthday. Her daughter died of cancer mm-hmm. at an early age. Mm-hmm. So it's deeply meaningful yeah. work. And I love being able to connect people to people that they can't see and talk to anymore. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, I was an advertising executive and it all just flowed. And I was like, okay. Yeah. At first I thought it pretty crazy. And I was really judgmental of myself. I didn't embrace it. I was like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And people are going to think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of being in the middle yeah. of navigating these two places. And that's part of the reason why I'm so interested in uh, the concept of medium, because it is so directly related to the middle of being the conduit of two different planes of being. But I very much relate. I'm really leaning into intuition for myself lately and learning to trust my intuition and for example with the middle i just have this deep like confident i don't know if confident like it's just it's gonna it's gonna happen for me like it's gonna be big it's gonna change someone's life and i don't say that as a self-centered or like overly confident person it's just no no it's there i just feel it and it's taken me a little while to even be able to say that out loud because of that judgment, because of that feeling of, am I crazy? I literally said to my therapist last night, at what point am I delusional? And she's like, well, you're not delusional in any other part of your life. Why is this one different? And I, that blew my mind. So this is very much, very much on my heart and thought right now of there's something there. The intuition is just mm-hmm. speaking to me and really, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You know, uh, uh, yeah, I, it's one of those things where I'm very much in that middle of my journey. But I would love to hear for you, what does the middle mean to you? I find that people tend to have a visceral reaction when they start to hear and think about the concept. It's funny because I was coaching someone yesterday and she was like, I just want this transition to be over. Preach, girl. She's going from one situation to another situation. I was like, we really can't control what that is. So to me, it's that liminal place where... You're, you haven't arrived yet mm-hmm. and you have different options or I have different options to respond in a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. And so it can be harrowing. It can be gut-wrenching. It can be tearful. It can be joyful. It can be all those things all together and you're coming the washing machine, right? Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. Oh my gosh. Because you do. And you're like, confined, <laughs> but it's just spinning Oh my God, I, I'm going to use this. Like I just, now my brain, because it, it does, it. it just hits so much because what you're describing is one of the places that I started when I started the middle and talking about the middle was the frustration of that place and that feeling. So to think of it as a washing machine where you're contained and you're just cycling over and over, that's perfect. Ah, thank you. And I love to work with women you're welcome. I love to work with women that, when they're at that stage because um, there is, all, I always say the only way out is through, yeah. right? It's not my saying, but I don't know who said it, but it was someone, a Buddhist. But we, how do we live with that? We don't know when the timing's going to end or start. I've been through that many times. These, I've been through many washing machines. <laughs> many cycles. <laughs> many cycles. And I try to embrace it and be patient. I'm all human. That's why I started this in the first place is because I'm not good at that. And I want to figure out how to be better about it. I, like almost like mildly torturing myself. Like the, if I just talk about it more, <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to hear. I usually like to ground these conversations in a middle moment of your life. So what would you like to talk through? Yeah, good question. 
So there have been, like I said, there have been many, but there was one that was particularly poignant. I married relatively young. I was 26. And I met this guy that I was head over heels for and still am. Mm -hmm. More on that later. And we had a child. She was one at the time. And it was really difficult for me to wrestle with the identity of being this successful advertising executive and then being mom to a young child. And my husband was also trying to adjust to being a father and adjust. Our relationship dynamic was different with the third. Yeah. It just different. It wasn't just he and I anymore. It was this little person. Um, and that's not unique to me necessarily, but I buried myself in my work and someone came along who gave me the attention mm-hmm. that I was seeking at that time, unhealthy attention. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't set out. I didn't plenty going on between a child and a marriage and a big job, but it came in at a certain time. And I regret following that urge to be with that person, but I wound up leaving my husband and moving into an apartment. And I think there was part of my teenage angst or something that was getting worked out, even though I was like 30. Yeah. I because I settled young and married young because I married at 26 when I met him earlier, like years before. I don't know. It was a really spin cycle to go back to the washing machine kind of time yeah. because yeah. my identity wasn't defined. I was looking for attention. Maybe I was trying to run away from my marriage and my child because I didn't know what to do. And that hadn't really been modeled for me mm-hmm. at my home. My my childhood was not super healthy. So I don't know why it happened, but I became, I was in the middle essentially of being in with this person. So I moved into the apartment and I said to the person, I'm available now. And he said, I don't want to be with you. Ah. After we'd been dating for dating, you know, Mm -hmm. I use that term uh, for like a year and a half. So I was ready to pivot my life for this person who'd given me attention. Mm -hmm. And I did. And he wasn't there. I can, t- my heart is like literally breaking, right? I thought I was in love with yeah. him. And we went talking every day, like three times a day. And I called and he never answered the phone ever again. So there I was in my apartment with my, you know, toddler daughter. Yeah. And a husband who was like, you suck basically, which I understand. I'm not mad at him for that at all. So, yeah. But yeah, I had to rediscover myself in that apartment. I was in Oakland, California, and I painted the walls like a Tiffany blue and furnished it the way that I wanted to. And there was like a bohemian time for about two years. A lot of crying, a lot of crying, a lot of self-expression, a lot of writing, a lot of confusion. And what a change to go from managing two people to then nothing as well. I just keep thinking about just that big change and how one of these people you will still be connected with no matter what the rest of your life because of your daughter. But I also just think about my experience because really that first year after a child, whether it's your first or I only have two kids, but it is so hard because it's constant change and it's constant influx of basically just survival. I, I loved that year. I loved infancy with my children. But it's just so high emotion that I personally cannot even wrap my mind around adding more on top of not. And I don't mean that. And I realize as that came out, it sounded judgmental. I I don't mean it judgmental in any way whatsoever. I don't feel that. I, my brain can't even comprehend 
that high level of emotion that you must have been going through. Yeah, I think I really wanted attention. Yeah. I was working really, really hard. I was making, the, I was the breadwinner for the family and I was paying for the apartment in Oakland and then I was paying the mortgage on the house in the suburbs mm -hmm. and paying. I just remember like being exhausted. And yeah, how I made time for a lover is interesting. Um, but I think I really wanted the attention. I don't know how I made the time. It's, I think we can't, I, I think a lot of times we don't think about how our time is spent until like later because people will be like, I don't know how you do all this. I'm like, I don't know how I do this either. And so it, it, to me, it makes sense that especially during that time, another thing got added and it's just what you did, looking at it objectively. Yeah, I, that part doesn't <laughs> confuse me at all. I'm like, no, that makes sense. Yeah. And he really knew how to yeah. turn off the charm. Yeah. He really knew how to pull people in. Looking back now, hear regret in your voice. But it also sounds like you have a healthy view of what you had control of during that time and that there was manipulation there. How long how long did it take for you to be able to accept that and not beat yourself up with it and start to get because I, I think I have a really dumb example, so stick with me. I really love okay. Bravo shows. And I've been watching Vanderpump Rules, and there's this whole scandal right now called Scandal yeah. about infidelity. And right now there's a lot of talk because the other woman in this kind of has done an interview recently. Her name's Raquel or Rachel, whatever. And I empathize with her so much because I can understand her perspective. And how this man could have really manipulated her into that. And I just, I imagine it takes a long time to even admit that to yourself. Oh, yeah. It took a really long time for me to understand that he was the master manipulator. I'm not going to say he was a horrible human being because I believe, I don't believe everyone's all bad or all good. I believe we're somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. But he had manipulated like many women. Mm -hmm. He liked to do this thing where he would flip the person. So when I met him, he was like, oh, there was this woman that was a lesbian, but I flipped her. Or this, it was, and I flipped her. And I, it, it's not like he met me and that was the first thing he said. Yeah. We built a relationship and over time, these things would seep in. And I didn't see it at all. I was like, oh, somebody's really being romantic and saying I'm beautiful, mm -hmm. leaving me notes and blah, blah, blah. But. It took a really long time. Like he, so he didn't want to see me after I moved out. And I was in a lot of pain because I really thought I loved him. I would say it took me like two, three years. And then I don't know, it was 2007 when it ended. So now I think I look at it as that was a really good kick in the butt and learning for mm -hmm. me. That was a really good learning. And my husband and I, the relationship that we had before, that I moved out. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was a real relationship. Interesting. I don't think it was an authentic relationship. I don't think the two, I think the two of us were just moving forward together because that's what we had done and we had a baby. And that's what you felt like. And so new and. Yeah. And so I, what's funny is we're like back together. We've been back together since 2009, 2008, something like that. Um, and the relationship is, now I'm not trying to put a bow on no. it, but the relationship is a lot more authentic and a lot healthier. And uh, we went through therapy. He was willing to do therapy. He's a wonderful human being, but it's a much more authentic relationship. 
and it wasn't before. Yeah. And I think why I'm so excited to ask you about this is because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I'm just talking to you at the right time. <laughs> I keep learning. Is I keep thinking about this idea that you can take responsibility for your actions, but still acknowledge what made your choices. So to hear you as someone who went through this experience can say, very, I mean, easily I'm looking at your face, Lisa. She's just speaking very matter-of-factly of, I did something that I'm not proud of, that I wouldn't do now, but someone helped me get there. That doesn't mean that what I've done is any less what it is. Oh. And then to be able to then take that knowledge and move forward and be with your partner in a really authentic way, like, that's really cool. Like, I just, I don't think, I think it takes a level of nuance and understanding on both your part and your husband's part of well, a part of what I'm discovering with the middle is that the middle is about the gray area of life and being comfortable in there. And so it would be really easy for people to listen to this and be like, well, she cheated. She's bad. It's wrong. He's dumb for wanting to be with her and all these different things. But it's like, no, there's so much gray area between that. And it's beautiful to me that you both were able to navigate that and negotiate that to come back together. Yeah. And it was not easy. And I had to let myself out at one point. Yeah. I had to consciously say, I'm not going to keep beating myself up because I definitely did that for a long time. Yeah. I was like, I've, I have to move on. Mm -hmm. If I continuously hold this thing where I hate myself for the rest of my life, what's that going to do? Who does that help? What does that do? What does that do? And it took a while. So one day I consciously was like, Today, it's, today is the end. Today is not the day that I'm going to keep feeling guilty about. And I actually said to my husband, we were back together, but it was still tenuous. And I just, he would I'll drop comments about what happened. Yeah. When things tense, And I'd be like, I understand that you feel that way. And you have a right to feel that way. But I can't keep beating myself. I can't. It, it, I've got to let go of that. And I had to just call time on that. Mm -hmm. And if he had said, I can't. We probably wouldn't be together, yeah. you know, and I, you know, I'm hearing what you said too, you know, about the gray. It's like, when I think about it is I think there was just a really deep love. There's a very deep love between he and mm -hmm. I and love isn't always everything. But in this case, when I think about that elastic band that allowed this to kind of stretch out, mm -hmm. it was the love that was the thing underneath of all of it. If you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribing or following Sharing the Middle for free on whichever podcast platform that you use. That way you can be in the know and get the most recent episodes right in your feed every single week. This way, you know and we know when we're all in the middle together. That was kind of cheesy. But either way, follow, subscribe, and thanks for joining me in the middle. I'm really excited to be partnering with Happy Curves. It's a really awesome product to help with something that we all do, which is sweat. I've gotten the lotion to powder comfort cream. Got the fragrance free, but I did order some of the tropical scent and I'm excited to test that out. What I really love about it is it's easy to put on, starts as a lotion, turns into a powder, and it works in the areas that I need it to. I'm a busty lady. 
that's not a secret. And with Bust, they're sweat. It's been a really great thing, not only during the summer, but as someone with a chronic illness that tends to make me sweat, I deeply appreciate it. The other thing that I love about Happy Curves specifically is it's intended to be inclusive of all people, whoever you are, because again, we all sweat and we all can deal with it how we want to. I like it because of the comfort. No one's really around me to smell me. Joe is. But never mind. This is getting too long. Enjoy. 15% off going to myhappycurves.com backslash Lacey15 or with my code Lacey15. That's L-A-C-E-Y-1-5. I just imagine coming back from that is hard. So what made you all start to come back together? Because I think it would be very easy on both parts to just write each other. <laughs> and so I'm just so yeah. curious about the, almost yeah. the logistics yeah. of it. A good question. A couple things happened. The first thing happened was I was hanging up new pictures in my apartment uh -huh. and I cut my hand on a piece of glass. You know, the, it just it cut across my pinky. Mm -hmm. I still have a scar there. Down, it was bleeding like crazy and I was calling people and I need someone to take me to the emergency room. And I called him and I was like, last resort. And he was like, okay, I'll take you. So the guy drives like 45 minutes, picks me up, takes me to ER, gets me bandaged up, barely talking to me, but he didn't want me to suffer. And then a few months later, so our daughter was going back and forth, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so and I was making dinner. And I said, do you want to come in for dinner? And he was like, okay. And I was surprised. Yeah. So he sat down at the table and next thing you know, we didn't have our clothes on. <laughs> we were to get back to I'll spare you. I don't need that many logistics. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't know what's happening, but I, I wanted him back. I was alone for long enough. I think what, I think the biggest favor that guy did was breaking it up with me. Yeah. He was not good for me. At all. He did me a favor and allowed me to press reset on my relationship with my husband. Yeah. I'm curious, too, when does your job shift happen in this process? Is it after everything? Because you mentioned being a recovering ad executive. Because I'm curious about how the different aspects of our life and those big shifts, like, did they happen simultaneously or different? I'm just time wise. Yeah. My job was pretty consistent during that time. Good. Um, Good like the anyway, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was 2008 and then in two, early 2011, that's when the intuitive voice came in. I'd never heard anything before. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard a voice before. And I was literally driving across the Bay Bridge in California, Northern California, and it literally popped into my ear and I was like, what? And then I went into my office and I, my manager, I had this fantastic manager. And I said, would it be possible for me to do this job remotely? And the job that I had was I was managing a team, a cross matrix team of 30 plus people mm -hmm. and managing a $20 million piece of business that was local to the Bay Area. So the odds of her saying yes to that were, you know, you need to be on hand in the office. This was before COVID and all that. And so... I expect her to be like, no. And she said, maybe create a plan for me mm -hmm. and present it. And then we'll take it to the CEO. And next thing oh, it was like, yeah, we've checked and we have employees in the state of Colorado. And so tax wise, it'll all work. And next thing, oh, an apartment, an apartment, a house came up. 
right near a really great elementary school mm-hmm. here in Boulder. My husband was like, yeah, let's, re- let's let's leave. Why Boulder? I'm just curious. I wanted to live in a university town. Gotcha. So we looked at Boulder and we looked at Austin. And yeah, that's good. And Austin was just, I was worried it was too hot. So we came out, we came, went out to both places. My husband and I spent a weekend. And what was funny to me as it goes back to spirituality is how everything snaps into place yeah. when it's supposed to. And you're like, what? Like you said, everything about spirituality and then you come up. That's intentional. Oh, it's by design. Yeah. It, sorry, now I'm a little speechless because I think I that really hit me that I think you're very right of like when things happen, even though, oh, I'm emotional. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> Okay. Emotions are a friend. They are. They're pieces of information. That's what I have, I'm learning to tell myself. Piece of it. And I, I think my spiritual journey that I've been on, I'm, I come from a Catholic family, so very much rooted in that tradition and whatnot. But I, I've never really needed it. I believe in being a good person and that as long as I'm doing everything I can to be a good person, I think I'm doing just fine. But with that, I still had those like leftover shoulds from christianity and catholicism and it's only been till very recently that i've started to really think about how i can still have that spirituality without the religion and so yes and like when i say recently like in the past week i've very like it's been intentionally on my mind so to hear us having this conversation is just really freaking cool and in the way things work time plays is there like a university town i have an assumption about what that means. I used to work in universities. Really? That's where okay. I spent most of my career up to this point. So I totally get it of what being a part of a university, even the town can look like, but I don't yeah. want to make assumptions about what, about why for you. Yeah. It's also, I like the academic thing yeah. of it. Young people want to grow their thinking and expand their horizons. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of opportunities for me to learn mm-hmm. here. I mean, in doing that, I also I published a book. I was able to present it and talk about it here in town. But it's just a place of thinkers mm-hmm. um, who are challenging traditional notions and expanding and growing. And I think as a people, we need to be doing that. And I speak right now, especially in this liminal time when the weather is unpredictable and there's a lot of challenges that people are having emotionally and societally. That's the time to challenge yeah. the traditional way of thinking. Yeah. Because we might need new tools. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons why I love what I do is because I can bring in the existing kind of world and then bring in the new world. And it's okay. What do we want to chart going forward? Absolutely. I love that. It's a yeah. place of thinkers. Because I, as you said that, I'm like, yes, that's what I loved so much about working at a university is I love a place where people can be like, wait, no, tell me more. Like, I just, I like people who are thinkers. So I totally get it. Yeah. Anything else about your story before we? go into our final question and wrapping up no okay. i would just say we have to love ourselves no matter what yeah i know we hear that a lot but it's different when you have to walk it yeah i, I just again i know i said this already i'm just really impressed because i can i beat myself up for the dumbest things so if some something like that in with that current mindset would have crippled me so to hear you be able to talk about it and share about it and show self-love and growth but still acceptance and and, of your actions and that kind of stuff I think is something we need to hear more of in the world because a lot of times it's that black and white thinking of oh you did that you're a bad person and then people write you off and that's not realistic good people do bad things 
it's human. It's part of our nature. 100%. Do you have a piece of advice? I know you just gave one little piece of wisdom, but do you have a kind of a piece of advice that maybe either you needed to hear then or that has guided your life up to this point? I love a little like takeaway. Really listen with your heart. Don't listen with your mind. Yeah. And it's okay what your heart wants. It's okay. It's okay. You're going to be okay. And when you're not okay, fake it a little bit because I had to do that. Yeah. Had days where I was like, I'd be driving. I'd be so mad at myself. I'd be like, fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. And I would p- try to put a smile on my face. And I got to tell you, actually. That is a scientific theory. Well, facial feedback theory. Yeah. My, one of my, I have a couple degrees, but one of them is in communication. And that was always one of my favorite theories is that if you smile, you trick your brain into thinking that you're happy. And so like by the act of smiling, you're giving yourself feedback about being happy. So yes, absolutely. There is absolute evidence about fake it till you make it. Oh, good. Thank you, Lacey. Thank you. How can people find you, work with you, all that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, They can find me at serensilva.com. I'm offering a free um, 15-minute clarity session. If you have a question, you're stuck somewhere, you need help. Um, I'm going to probably doing a few more programs and whatnot. And then my book is You Empath You. It's on Amazon. That book is full of tips on how to deal with difficult times and practices that you can do. Because I really believe in using the physical body, the intuition, and the mind, all three of them together. Yeah, this was really, really fun. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. I have really loved talking to you. And I can feel it like in my core that we were supposed to talk today. I just feel it in my intuition. And it feels really good. So thank you. Thanks for sharing the middle with me. As always, I hope you've been able to see a little bit of yourself and the story we shared today. Don't forget to follow, share, rate, review, and follow me on social media at Lacey Shares. You can always check out the Joyful Support Movement at joyfulsupportmovement.com and see all of the amazing goodness we have there, like No Shame in the Home Game, Pops of Joy, courses, resources, and of course, the Joyful Support Village. All right, now go out there and spread some joy.